Sean Huckabee, Alberta Gonzalez, and the battle for the Supreme Court. Armstrong Williams on the conservative gap in urban America. And the amazing Justin Flom performed. That's Trey Corley of the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! We have an amazing audience out here. Goodness, I hope we have a show that is worthy of these great people who have shown up in our theater. And I know that we do. In fact, it is going to be phenomenal. Don't miss a moment of it. I hope you've already gone to the restroom and gotten your snacks because you don't want to miss anything that's about to happen over the next one hour. Okay, look, most Americans use one or more forms of social media, and it can be an important way to communicate with friends and family. And then for some of us, we actually use it to communicate to the entire world. And it becomes an important tool to get a message out to the masses. But what if social media platforms actually favor one point of view over others? Now, that's exactly the charge that's been leveled against Facebook and Facebook-owned Instagram, as well as Twitter and Google-owned YouTube. These massive multi-billion dollar social media companies have become far more than just media platforms. Now they function like public utilities and have become almost as ubiquitous as electricity, running water, and telephones. And if water or electricity or even telephone service were delivered to you differently because of how you voted or what your political or religious leanings were, would you say that's okay? I bet not. And I feel pretty sure that being appalled by such a thing would be consistent among people, whether they're from the left or the right, Democrat, Republican, or Independent. Now, Facebook recently apologized to social media sensations Diamond and Silk for taking down some of their content. And it wasn't because it was vulgar, because it wasn't vulgar. It wasn't because it was hateful, because it wasn't. And it wasn't because it was filled with patently false information, because it wasn't filled with that. It was because... It was pro-President Trump. And they're, they're not the only ones. Numerous conservative talk show hosts and personalities have seen their content just disappear or become hard to find because the search engines simply don't put up their names. On Twitter, it's called shadow banning. And that means that while the user can post items, those may not actually get shared with people and a search of a name of conservative people will result in not finding it at least not as easy to access the views of those who happen to be a little to the right. Now, Twitter denies that they did this, but then they announced they fixed it. <laughs> Why do you fix something that you didn't break? Facebook has over 2 billion users, and it's been a little bit picky and selective about the content that it posts. I even experienced that very thing when I launched Chick-fil-A Appreciation Day back in 2012. Facebook suspended my Facebook account until I protested it, and I pointed out that all it was designed to do was to tell people about the event. Now, the page eventually got restored, but not before some serious protest and the loss of about 24 hours of use of the page. Now, here's the question. Do you think government ought to step in and regulate social media platforms? Well, I normally would say no, because adding government to the oversight usually just makes things worse. But it may end up happening unless the private sector companies don't make some course corrections, and they better do it soon. Because if it's deemed that social media companies are using the power they have and the extraordinary influence to shape political campaigns in favor of one candidate or one party over another, then expect a candidate, our party, to sue for some big dollar damages, as well as file complaints with the Federal Election Commission. They'll be charging that these companies are making an illegal and unreported in-kind political contribution. I get it, social media is pretty much run exclusively by young West Coast liberals who have little or no understanding 
and certainly not much tolerance for conservative or Christian viewpoints. They might want to fear a couple of things. One is that someone in the conservative or Christian world with a boatload of money might just create something called, well, what about faith book? Or that people who are fed up with the manipulation of the news and information might inspire some very heavy government regulation and then cause the social platforms to be forced into a transparency they just don't have. To the social media companies, we'll be watching you. That's what we'll be doing. I'm sure it is not a big surprise to you that Washington, D.C. is filled with partisan rancor, filled with insults and threats aimed at the president and his staff and even calls for impeachment without grounds. But my first guest knows all too well that political vitriol and incivility are nothing new. He lived through it when he served under President George W. Bush. I want you to welcome former U.S. Attorney General and now Dean of the Belmont University School of Law, Alberto Gonzalez. <laughs> Mr. Attorney General, it is an honor to have you here. Your personal story, I find one of the most inspirational, incredible American stories. You had a house full of brothers and sisters in a two-bedroom house in a town that probably was appropriately named Humble, Texas. That's right. Tell me about your growing up, because I, I think it's just extraordinary story. It's the American story, and I suspect there are people in this audience who share the same story. Uh, growing up poor, but by the example of our parents, my parents, like your parents, yep. work hard, be accountable, show up, get a good education, and someone named George W. Bush comes along and because you're prepared, you're given a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, although in my case, several lifetime opportunities. And uh, so it really is just a remarkable, remarkable story. Uh, you mentioned that your parents didn't have a lot of education. I certainly share that kind of background. A lot of people, as you said, do. But they encouraged you to do better than them. Are we doing that with our kids? Are we asking more of them? Are we almost asking less of them today. Well, I can't speak to other households, of course. I worry about that. I think we see different attitudes, um, preparation in our students coming into law school. And when I talk to employers uh, uh, here in Nashville uh, about hiring young lawyers, they tell me the same thing. They're worried about the work ethic. And so I think we need to perhaps do a better job. A lot of the names that are household names today, front page of the newspaper, are people that you work with at various levels of the Justice Department when you were Attorney General. People like Brett Kavanaugh, nominated by the President for the Supreme Court. You worked with him during the Bush White House years. Uh, tell us about Kavanaugh. Is he a good pick? Is that somebody that you would give a rah-rah to? Well, Neil Gorsuch worked for me when I was at Justice. Brett Kavanaugh worked for me when I was White House Counsel. Brett was probably, he's probably one of the finest young lawyers I've ever worked with, and I've worked with a lot of great young lawyers. Uh, Brett is extremely smart, and yet he's not arrogant. People enjoyed working with Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, he's very disciplined. He understands precisely the appropriate role of a judge in our system of government. So I, I think it's a tremendous pick, and I'm delighted that uh, President Trump has nominated Brett Kavanaugh, and of course, I'm very happy about the nomination and confirmation of my friend Neil Gorsuch. A couple of things I want to mention. One, uh, the Attorney General has written a book that I think is absolutely fantastic. It's called True Faith and Allegiance. And some of the things that we very just quickly touched the surface of in his personal story, it is an extraordinary story that will have you in tears, but it will also remind you of what's so wonderful about this country. It's available at major booksellers all over the country. You can get a personally inscribed copy by going to albertogonzalez.com. Now, before we let you go, there's something that we know. This weekend is kind of special because you're celebrating a birthday. We will not tell the audience how many that you've had, but we're not going to let you <laughs> I, I come. I think it's apparent in my face. <laughs> we're not going to let you come to the Huckabee Show and not uh, wish you a happy birthday. So, Mr. Attorney General, please accept our happy birthday. Okay. Well, we'll never see those <laughs> balloons again. 
until they hit the lights and they pop in the middle of the next segment. Okay. Uh, so you, when you open that up, see what happens. The, the, the card reads on the outside, today is a celebration of you, moi, me, myself. You open it up. <laughs> and who deserves it more? Happy birthday. And a nice inscription from Governor Huckabee. Thank you, Governor. Mr. Attorney General, great to have you here. Thank you so very, very much. Should I take my cake? You should take the okay, cake. thank you very much. You can take the cake and eat it too. Thank you. All right. Keith, before you get indicted for something, why don't you tell us what's next? I would love to. Later, political commentator Armstrong Williams. And get your deck of cards out. Magician Justin Flom will get you to perform an amazing trick at home. But first, country music's love story come to life. T.G. Shepard and Kelly Lang perform. It's all coming up on Huckabee. So, what is black and white and red all over? No, it is not an embarrassed zebra. It's my daily online news analysis at MikeHuckabee.com. The red, of course, stands for my steady conservative views. And now over on my Twitter account, at GovMikeHuckabee, you might see an embarrassed zebra, or at least an embarrassed blue donkey, almost every day. <laughs> you can subscribe and visit me daily for doses of what's going on in America, all in plain old black and white. All right, T.G. Shepard has charted 21, that's right, 21 number one country hits. That's a lot if you're keeping count. His wife, Kelly Lang, is a well-known Nashville singer and songwriter for people like Ricky Skaggs, Jerry Lee Lewis, The Killer, and The Oak Ridge Boys. Now, that is a spectrum. Oak Ridge Boys to Jerry Lee Lewis, for sure. <laughs> they're also great friends of mine, and they're neighbors right here in Hendersonville. I want you to welcome the wonderful duo as they perform Islands in the Stream.
Hello. I'm just giving you a handshake. No, that's it. No kisses. That's it. That's all you get. Wow. You know, I'm, I can't tell you how excited I am to have you guys here. And this isn't your first time to be on the show, although people may not realize it. Really? <laughs> All right, here's I don't know the deal. What you're talking about. They're never going to believe this. Watch this and see what I'm talking about. Are, they, are these safe? Well, sure, they're safe. Now, I've already sucked all the chocolate off. <laughs> need security. Please, help me. Really? <laughs> yeah. Security. Please. please. I'm hey, so Thanks thankful. for coming. It's been so... You think I'm Your alter ego, XOXO, was here a couple of weeks ago. It was the funniest thing. I had more fun. But I'm telling you now, I'll never eat peanuts again. <laughs> You're you a broke great sport. Me. You know what? Uh, that character was a, a kind of created or invented or whatever um, many years ago. And I was going through breast cancer at the time. Mm. And I'm 14 years out now, so I'm really, really yeah. thankful. <laughs> Thank you. Woo! Um, but, you know, I think humor is very healing. Yes. And I think we need to um, look at positive ways of looking at things. And in a dark time, EXO brought me a lot of happiness and, and brought a lot of other people happiness, too. And uh, if I might share a little bit about our story together, TG and I have been together almost 18 years now. And in the midst of that time is when I was diagnosed. One day, he came over to my house. I had just been crying, and I looked like a monster to myself. And... He wrapped me up in my robe and pulled me down on his lap and rocked me like a baby. And mm. I said, you need to leave me. I'm not going to live through this. And he kissed me on my bald green head. Mm. And he said, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen, and I will never leave. And so far, so good. So. Oh, what a great story. <laughs> Until XOXO. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now he wants to now, leave. Now, yeah. now that, I mean, that's one thing, it, it, to be able to go through cancer with someone, because... The partner basically goes through cancer, too, when, when your partner yeah. has that. But when EXO came along, uh, now, I, I may have to rethink this whole thing now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that may wow. change the dynamic. T.G., you and Elvis Presley, very close friends. How did you guys get to be big buddies, and what was that about? I actually met Elvis when I was 15. I was a runaway. Huh. And I ran away from my home in Humboldt, Tennessee, to chase this dream that God's let me catch. Huh. And uh, I wound up in Memphis, and one night at a skating rink, I'm out front about midnight, a Cadillac pulls up, and Elvis gets out from behind the wheel, walks right over to me, and he says, where are you going? And I said, I'm leaving. They're closing up the rink, the skating rink. He said, oh, no, they're opening it up for me. Huh. He said, we play a little game in here called Kill, and I'm a man short on my team. Will you be on my team? And Kill was football on skates is what that was. <laughs> no, that's insane. Oh, it was insane. So I went in that night, and that was the start of a friendship that lasted 16 incredible years. You guys have got a new television show called Look Who's Coming to Dinner. You go out and eat with various celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> we, we always wondered what it would be like if people could be a fly on the wall, you know, at, at our home and yeah. see really what goes on at, at the dinners. We've so, invited you guys to dinner. You'll, you'll be sooner able to later. experience you'll, you'll, one you'll of these. Yes. So yeah. uh, we'll be announcing that whole thing and the network and stuff, but it'll be a network show, and so we're very excited about it. Well, you're Come welcome anytime, either PG and Kelly or XOXO. Or XOXO. Now, if you are headed to Memphis for Elvis Week, they're going to be singing duets in honor of the king of rock and roll. To find out more about T.G. Shepard's music, visit his website. Guess what it's called? tgshepherd.com. You can also stay connected with Kelly Lang and her music and get this, kellylang.net. All right, Keith, they were so terrific. I wonder, do we just quit now or do you have some more stuff to tell us about? Oh, no way, Jose. We've got political commentator Armstrong Williams coming up next. Then check your deck of cards out at home. You'll be amazed at what magician Justin Flom does right before your eyes. Plus the powerful story of Zach and Laura Sobiek. Stay tuned for more Huckabee.
Hillsdale College challenges the mind of its students on campus and online. Conservative columnist George Will said that Hillsdale's emphasis on the great books in Western civilization have made it a success. Now, you can actually be a part of this amazing institution, earn a degree, enrich yourself through their free online courses. All you got to do is visit Hillsdale at their website, located at the bottom of your screen. Now, you don't even have to move to the campus because it comes to you. Well, the Washington Post called my next guest one of the most recognized conservative voices in America. So finally, the Washington Post prints something that's true, because that's true. And as a third-generation Republican and tireless fighter for conservative and Christian values, he shatters the notion that African Americans are required to embrace liberalism. I'm very proud to welcome the host of the StrongCast podcast and the Armstrong Williams Show, Mr. Armstrong Williams. Armstrong, great having you here today. Governor, it is my honor to be your guest today. Thank you for the invitation. You have extraordinary influence in the conservative world. And one of the reasons is because you have been a provocative voice for conservatism. And a, a unique aspect is that there are not that many African-American voices who are in the conservative space. What was it that made you say, you know what, these are my principles. This is what I believe. So my father, who was a second-generation Republican, never left the party of Lincoln. It's just a whole lineage of Republicans, not just on my father's side, James Sturt, but also on my mother's side, Thelma Howard. So embracing faith, utility, love thy neighbor, moral striving, all of us are imperfect, but we have to strive to be better human beings every day, getting a good education, um, not giving into gossip and pettiness, and also not being defined by race, but being defined by your values, by the choices that you make. And so it's just a way of life for me that I've learned early on in my life, and it's just served me well throughout adulthood. What is it about the conservative message that has not resonated as well with many people in the uh, African-American community. I think you said something briefly, and I want to build upon it, is that people are the same. They want the same thing. They have many of the same struggles. Uh, and what makes a difference in a person's life is, you know, I grew up with a father that loved me, that disciplined me, that taught me about values, that taught me about church and about Sunday school, and taught me the Bible, not as some religious doctrine, but as a book of life, that there is nothing in the Bible, if you read it thoroughly from back to cover, that you do not be able to navigate in your life. And so, and what has happened to many of the institutions today, particularly uh, when you grow up, uh, when your parents believed in chastity, they believe in respect, they believed in civility, um, they believed that a man and a woman should wait uh, to marriage uh, if you can before you bring a child into this world, that you don't get caught up in relationships based on what somebody looks like. Um, looks are just not enough. You got to get to know someone. You got to know their values. You got to know their compatibility. You got to see what your common ground is. You, sometimes you got to travel together. You got to work together. You got to be in each other's space because proximity brings about a different understanding of people. And none of these things have to do with race. And what race has become, it has become a very dividing force where we balkanize people and we make an assumption. You know, when crimes are commit, committed, you see these images of young blacks. But people don't commit crimes because they're black, because they're Latino, because they're white. They commit crimes because of behavior, because of a lack of understanding of right and wrong. And sometimes people are selfish and they're greedy and they don't want to work for things. And sometimes what we have to do, we've got to get back to the things that we all have in common, those common values. When you look at the culture today, Armstrong, and you see all the kind of conflict and, and degradation of, of people's civility toward each other. What is it that ticks you off that you wish you could just change? You know, the thing about um, the culture that we live in, um, people want to believe um, if you're a Republican and if you support any aspect of the president's agenda, no matter what it is, 
They've decided that this guy has no business being president. He never should have been elected. You know, I was reading this poll earlier in the week when it talked about this overwhelming amount of Americans who just happen to be black who support the president, and people are just flustered. They just cannot understand why it happens. Why? Because people understand when their economy is better. People understand when they have more money in the pool of their resources to give their children things that they were not able to give them four or five, six years ago. People understand when they're getting better, better opportunities in their workplace, opportunities in terms of promotion. People can look, when they look at the tax reform that the president passed, and they look at it and they say, oh, I'm getting a little more in, in my income. Oh, I can do a little more here. I have a few more choices that I did not have before. Or when they had these issues with affordable care and premiums were skyrocketing, people could not even afford their premiums, and all of a sudden, that begins to change. And you look at an environment where people begin to say, you know what, the world around me is improving. I may not like Donald Trump necessarily in terms of his moral fiber and his moral striving. I certainly wouldn't say that. I wouldn't tweet that out. But that is not a reason for me to just totally disqualify him as a reason not to support him. So the common sense things that people understand, and people say, well, why, is, why is he, does he continue to go up in poll numbers? Because people can look beyond his faults. They can look beyond his scars, and they can also see the good that he does. And in terms of what the president is doing, what he said he would do, He's doing whether it comes to immigration. He may have not gotten he may have not gotten it right every time in terms of the rhetoric and how you position it and how you sell it to the American people. But at least he's not kicking the can down the road. He's not kicking the can down the road on regulatory reform, on immigration, on tax reform, on the Iranian nuclear deal. I think you've nailed it pretty well, Armstrong. You got a promise to come back. It's a joy to have you. Thank you so much for being here. I'm delighted, and I want to let our audience know that you can read his columns, which you certainly are going to want to do. You can do that at townhall.com. Catch up with the Armstrong Williams Show. Listen to the Strongcast podcast. Read his blog. I, I, I can tell you this, the man never takes a vacation. So head to his website at armstrongwilliams.com, armstrongwilliams.com. Keith, let me ask you how strong is your arm, and I hope it's strong enough to pitch us to what's next. Well, I think I can muster the strength for that. Author Laura Sobiak is coming up. But before that, did you pull out of your deck of cards at home? Well, magician Justin Flom will do a trick using your hands. That's next on Huckabee. Now, over 200 million people have watched my next guest on YouTube as he cut his newborn daughter in half. Watch. She's still sleeping. Yes, he just was released out of prison this week for doing that to his daughter. No, actually, I saw him and saw that video and some other things he did. I said, I want this guy on my show. I want you to welcome world-famous magician Justin Flom. Thank you. Hey. What's happening? Thank you so much. My name is Justin Flom. I am a magician. Uh, I wanted to try out something kind of fun here. Uh, oh, there is a couple young people here. Uh, this is a newspaper. It's this old thing. <laughs> Once a day, they print out a portion of the internet. Uh, <laughs> They still do it every day. Of course, they only do so from one perspective. Yeah, that always gets more laughs on the right. I don't know why that is. <laughs> Here's the crazy thing. This is one of the very first magic tricks my dad ever taught me. You know, my dad was a magician. My uncle was a magician. Great-grandfather was a magician. That's really true. Uh, I actually grew up sawing my little sister in half. Well, now she's my half-sister. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Uh, but the thing is, if you watch, you can actually see and hear this newspaper being torn. Uh, I don't have a magic trick here. I just thought it'd be fun to come on national TV and tear up the New York Times. Uh, no, of course, I am a magician. You have to do something quite magical. Just like that, you can see absolutely nothing inside, but then again, it is the New York Times. Thank you very much. I'm, 
I'm so happy to be here. There's a, there's a reason I'm here, and it's because of a story that I told several years ago. And this story went wild online. It went to millions of people. It was my very first video uh, that ever went viral. Since then, I've had over a billion views with a B online. But it all started with a story. Now, this story isn't mine, uh, so I can't take credit for it. But it means a lot to me, and I hope you like it. It's a story about a young serviceman overseas at war. He's got a deck of cards spread on his bunk, and uh, a lieutenant walks in and says, son, what are you doing? And he says, well, sir, I was just about to spend some time with the Lord in prayer. Lieutenant laughed at him. He said, son, it looks like you're about to play cards, poker, something like that. He said, I know, sir, but if you allow me to explain, I think you'll find this rather interesting. You see, it may seem ordinary to you, but this deck of cards acts as my Bible. Uh, of course, in my Bible, the ace reminds me that there's only one God. In my Bible, I have the two, which reminds me of the two halves of the Bible, the New and the Old Testament. I have the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, represented by the three. I even remember the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, with the four. I remember every week the six days in which God created the heavens and the earth, and of course, the seventh day on which he rested. That's my Sabbath. I try to live my life by the Ten Commandments, and my absolute favorite card in the deck is my Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the King of my heart. After the young servicemen said all of that, the lieutenant was really, frankly, rather impressed. The young man said, that's not all, sir. You see, in the deck of cards, there's four suits, hearts, clubs, spades, diamonds. There's four seasons in every year. There's 52 cards in the deck, 52 weeks in the year exactly. And if you were to count up every spot in a deck of cards, it would equal 365 the days in a year. So you see, this deck of cards, it's my calendar, my almanac, and my Bible. With it spread before me, I can see all that I have to be thankful for. Well, that's a nice story, and that's, that's really the way I learned it, but I take it a step further. You see, as a magician, I work with a deck of cards for a living. And every time I look at a deck of cards, I'm reminded of this story and the fact that I have the freedom in this country to tell it. And all of that is because of a young man or a young woman overseas fighting for my freedom. Okay, so I know that it's impolite to ever ask a magician, how did you do that? <laughs> so how did you do that? It's amazing, isn't it? No, it is, it's beyond amazing. I, you know, I, I just, I, I've seen your videos. I'm blown away. I don't know how you did it. Don't know how the whole thing happened. But I realized you've come from a very magical family. That's right. We grew up, we did magic with everything. I found these backstage. Uh, you've got lifesavers for all of your guests. That's very mm -hmm. kind of you. And growing up, we would just do magic with anything. Like, maybe a lifesaver, or, um, let me see what I got here. Some headphones. Uh-huh. That's the real magic trick, pulling these out on Tangled. <laughs> I'll show you how to do that after say, the show. That that's was, magic, right, here, my here. friend. Let me see if I can get this right. Okay. Right? <clears throat> oh, my soul. <laughs> can you guys see this? Hang on. Oh! <laughs> You know, I, I ate a peanut here one time. I'm not touching that. No, I don't But I'm me. telling you, see, that's, that's the kind of, and I'm this close to you, and I, I, I absolutely. Isn't that amazing? Yes, it is amazing. It really is. That's Do all you I can have... say. When you ask how it's done, yeah. the thing is, is it's so much more fun not knowing. Uh, they say that magicians are the guardians of an empty safe. <laughs> and the reason is, when you learn the secret, you go, oh, that's stupid. <laughs> I can't believe you, you spent 10 years lurking on deck of cards, sleight of hand, just to do a silly card trick. You, you know, I know all the people in your family, but you must have had some other, uh, just through the years, magicians that have really inspired you or uh, kind of given you an inspiration. Who are they? You know, they're guys you've never heard of. Really? There's an underbelly of magic. You know, uh, I've lived in Las Vegas for the last 10 years. Just moved here to Nashville. And the cool thing is, 
is uh, when you're a songwriter, you live in Nashville. Yeah. When you're a magician, you live in Las Vegas. Uh -huh. All these creators are there, guys who create the stuff for the big names out on the strip in Las Vegas or whatever. And those are all my friends. And I try to get the original magic creations before they go to the big guys. I try to get them, hey, give me this thing. And that's some people's job is to invent magic tricks. It's pretty cool. It's very cool. Uh, you do a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff like close work, which is incredible because it's, it's I think it's harder to fool the audience when you're up this close. Exactly. But you, you do some stuff with cards. So. With decks of cards, yeah. In fact, okay. everyone in the audience has a deck of cards. And you said uh, to the viewing audience at yeah, home, told them to get, their get cards. a deck of cards out because you can follow along. Wherever you are watching this on Earth, if you follow my directions, the magic will work for you. So the studio audience is going to follow along. And uh, at home, you can, you can do it too. You got your okay. own cards right there. I have some here. Take nine playing cards. You don't need the whole deck, just nine. Make sure you really do have nine cards. And here we go, follow my directions, the magic will work for you. Spread them out like a poker hand so you can see every single card of your nine cards. Okay. Just like this. Now here's the deal, we're gonna memorize one of these cards. Let's make it random. Uh, all do this with me. Uh, let's take the second card from the left. Take a look at me, second from the left, it'd be that one right there. Now don't look at mine, but look at yours, because we all have different cards. Memorize that card. Burn it into your memory, otherwise at the end, this is a stupid trick. All right. <laughs> Perfect. Once you got it, close up the cards and hold them so you can't see them. We're all going to shuffle these cards in an interesting way. We're going to use your name. Watch me first. If your name is Bob, you would take one card for each letter and put it onto your lap or on the table. Watch this. B-O-B -B, into one single pile. Go ahead and do that right now with your own cards and your own name. Beautiful. And take the rest of the cards left over in your hand and place them down on top. Perfect. Pick up the cards. We're all going to do this together in unison. We're going to spell the word loves. L-O-V-E-S. Do it with me. One card for each letter. L-O-V-E-S. Take the rest of the cards, place them down on top. It's like we're writing our name into a tree, carving our name into a tree. It's your name loves whoever. It could be your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, son, daughter, whoever it is that you love. Spell out their name. One card for each letter right now. Excellent. If your spouse is sitting next to you, I suggest you spell her name. <laughs> Take the rest of the cards left over in your hand, place them down on top. Really quick review. We all have different cards here in this room. We all have a different name, and we all love somebody else. We all did this differently. But even though we've all done it differently, and everybody at home did it differently, I'm going to find your card. Pick up all the cards. Okay. Take the top three cards. Okay. Hold them out towards your television set. Wave them up and down. Nope, not those. We can put them down. We don't okay. need those anymore. Take just the next two cards. Just the next two cards. <gasps> no, put them down. We don't need okay. them anymore. Take just the next single card. Oh, yeah. That's not the card. Put it down. We don't need that anymore. <laughs> Take just the next single card. Hold it out. Ladies and gentlemen, turn it over. That is your <laughs> card. Yes, it is. Take a look at what you got. Yes, it is. That is Did it work for you? Yes. Isn't that weird? That is, that is frightening. Amazing stuff. Justin, I, you've got to come back. You're here in Nashville. I'm here in Nashville because I'm doing a show over at The Standard, which is this beautiful steakhouse in downtown Nashville. I've heard great things about it's it. It's an incredible show. you got to come check it out. And Justin Flom's Make Magic Share Joy Tour in partnership with Compassion International kicks off the 28th of September in Indianapolis. And he just mentioned, and I want to tell you about this, the Standard of Magic show every Thursday at the Standard here in Nashville, Tennessee. Now, you can get tickets for any of Justin's shows. Go to justinflom.com. That's justinflom.com. And by the way, he tours all over the country. He could come to your uh, community, even to your church, and do stuff like this that will blow your mind away. I'm going to spend the rest of the night trying to figure out how he did it. Keith? <laughs> I'll bet the rest of the entire show is magic. Oh, abracadabra. Yes, another great duet from T.G. Shepard and Kelly Lang. That'll be magical. But first, the inspiring story of Zach Sobiak, as told by his mother, Laura, here on Huckabee. Recently, the International Country Gospel Music Association voted and awarded us 
the best television show. Take a look at that award. I'm pretty excited about this. I really am. And our thanks to the ICGMA. If you'd like to know more about them, and you should, I mean, any organization smart enough to tell us we're the best television show, I'm telling you, you ought to visit icgma.org and tell them that an award-winning TV show sent you to their website. How's that? Well, my next guest received the worst news that any parent can hear. Her teenage son, Zach, was dying from cancer. She begged God that if she had to lose him, let that sacrifice change people's lives. But well, she never imagined how big the answer to her prayer would be. Here's my recent interview with Zach's mom and the author of Fly a Little Higher, Laura Sobiak. Laura, so nice to have you here. I, I need to tell our audience that I went online and I saw the video that your son did. The song that he wrote, he knew he was dying and he wrote and recorded the song. It's had over 13 million views and counting on YouTube. It has touched that many lives and more. Does it give you some sense of at least purpose that, that maybe he left behind? We are so incredibly blessed, you know, just to have that visual of what Zach was able to do before he died. And he, he actually wrote that song eight months before he died. And he wrote it to say goodbye to us. It was intended to be just for family and friends mm -hmm. and to see that it's literally touched every continent. I'm pretty sure every country. Um, we've heard from people all over the world and I still hear from them every day and it's been almost five years since Zach died. Um, I kind of pictured like a little, I don't know, magic carpet or something, just leaving Zach and then touching all these lives. And mm. I just know it was the Holy Spirit. You know, just because it's a song that, it's heartbreaking, but it's joyful. And it seems to reach people right where they are, wherever that is. And well, it touched me. And I, I must tell you that when I watched it, I was tearing up. I'm, I'm telling you, yeah. it is emotional. We got a little clip of it. I want to show it. It's called Clouds. And let's watch it. Maybe someday I'll see you again. We'll float up in the clouds and we'll never see the end. We'll go up, 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 but I'll fly a little higher. Go up in the clouds because the view's a little nicer. Up here, my dear, it won't be long. Laura, when I hear him sing, it won't be long now. And yeah. he was talking about what was coming, his death, and he knew that. What a remarkable courage with which he faced his own death, mm -hmm. could sing about it, could share it with his families. What made Zach so able to do that? You know, I think I've had a lot of time now to think about that and reflect on that. And I think for Zach, he always started in a place of love. Mm -hmm. he, he never started in a place of fear or anger or anything like that. It was always from a place of love, even through his suffering. And I think he truly understood that his suffering could mean something. And I think that we've all learned that through his story is that when we use our suffering for a higher purpose. When we, when we hand that over, when we unite it with Christ's suffering, um, big things happen. And I think that's where he started. Zach's videos are shown in schools all across the country, middle school, high school, mm -hmm. and in colleges. And many times it's the first time they've even thought about their own mortality and who they want to be. Mm -hmm. And so I just love that because if they can start thinking that way there, they can pull that through their whole lives. Um, so I hear that often, and, and that's, I think, probably, it was hard to believe at first yeah. that his song could touch people in that way. But again, that's where I see the Holy Spirit, is like, he, he took a, 
God took a dying boy from a small town in Minnesota and he did that. Jack oh, was God. barely 18 years old, had just really turned 18 mm -hmm. when he passed away. And I, I think what I appreciate about the way you tell the story is that it's honest. This is not a, oh, Zach got cancer and we prayed and we all felt great right. and everything was fine and we never shed a tear. Yep. Because that's not real. Nobody could yeah. relate to that. Yeah. And your story was one of step by step and dealing with the grief and facing it honestly. I think that's what makes it a valuable story to tell. Thank you. I think that's probably the highest compliment you could pay mm. the book. That, that was my intent. Um, I understood that with all the beautiful things that happened and all the wonderful video that's out there, it was really easy for people to look at our family and think, well, they just have it all together. We, we didn't. And I really wanted people to sort of see under the hood a little bit and see what a struggle it was, but also see how faith played in that struggle. Um, because if we could sh share that story, then people could connect with it. And they could say, well, if they can do that, and if they could do it that way, then I, that's open to me too. And that's the story I wanted to share. When I think of your story, I have to be honest, I think of a preacher that I knew years ago, and he made a comment that has always stuck with me. He said, even when we're believers, we still hit bottom. But the difference for believers is we find out that for us, it's solid at the bottom. Yeah. Your book is a reminder that even when we hit bottom and the most horrible thing can happen, which happened to you as a parent, you lost your son. But the good news was you found out it was solid at the bottom where God was. Laura, thank you for your wonderful thank testimony you. and story. I really appreciate it. Thank you. What a powerful story. Well, it was great having Laura on the show. And if you want to contact her or obtain her inspiring book, Fly a Little Higher, as well as discover Zach's touching legacy, visit laurasobiek.com. Keith, I think we got a pretty big finish for tonight, made bigger because I'm going to get to be a part of it. You sure are. Get that bass in tune. Next up, T.G. Shepard and Kelly Lang return to sing a classic love song here on Huckabee. Returning to sing another great duet with the governor on bass, please make welcome T.G. Shepard and Kelly Lang.
what a great, great bunch of fun this has been. And our thanks to everyone on this incredible show tonight, including these lovebirds, T.D. Shepard and Kelly Lang. I want you to join us next week. We've got Michael Reagan, Lisa Marie Presley, and Wink Markendale. Now, until then, just want to say to everybody, good night, God bless, and have a wonderful, wonderful week. <laughs>